another episode of Arcana Archives. Okay, Rogan, you've heard about the great, <laughs> you've heard about the great pyramids of Giza in Egypt, the Stonehenge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> As like, if you haven't heard about the pyramids, then we have a, we have a problem. <laughs> the Stonehenge, Machu Picchu, the Colosseum, the Great Wall of China, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and when you think about the seven wonders of the world, you might notice that they're centered around the Mediterranean and Mesopotamia, and even updated lists of the wonders of the world have severely overlooked something really, really cool, which is Great Zimbabwe. Great Zimbabwe. Or more it sounds like an exclamation. <laughs> Like, you just <laughs> shout that out if... Like, <laughs> the sixth member of Scooby-Doo says Great Zimbabwe instead of, like, Zoinks <laughs> row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so any guesses about what I'm going to tell you about today? Uh, what is that little town in BC that has supposedly the world's biggest truck? Is that, what, is next, that it? <laughs> I'm sure next to that truck, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. But no... <laughs> it's but great Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Zoinks. So, in the 16th century, rumors of an abandoned African fortress started to spread around Europe, and about the city that was surrounded by gold mines and topped a 900 meter hill. So, Vicente Pagado, a P Portuguese sea captain, discovered the site in 1531. And he wrote about it, creating one of few written records of the city in his glory. He wrote, Among the gold mines of the inland plains between the Limpopo and Zambezi rivers is a fortress built of stone and of a marvelous size, and there appears to be no mortar joining them. This edifice is almost surrounded by hills, upon which are others resembling it in the fashioning of stone and the absence of mortar. And one of them is a tower more than 12 fathoms high. I don't know how tall a, fa a fathom, fathom is. It. <laughs> okay, but let me describe to you this legendary ruin in, in more detail. So, if you were to visit the great ruins of Zimbabwe today, you'd find three different sections spreading over more than eight kilometers that were built by the Shona people of the 9th to 15th century. The Shona mm. people are the indigenous people of the Zimbabwe region. Okay, so the first section is a great hill complex, a series of structural ruins that tops the steepest hill of the site, which archaeologists, I almost said architects, <laughs> archaeologists and historians think was a religious center, and this dates all the way back to the 9th century. It's the oldest site in the area, it's on the steepest hill, 
and they think that the religious center was probably built first, and then as people settled around the area to be closer to the religious center, everything else was built. So the second area is a great enclosure, a walled circular area below the hill complex, and this dates back to the 14th century. It has 10 meter tall walls that are 250 meters wide, and they were built without mortar, again, so they relied on the shapes of the rocks to hold the wall in place, which I think is just remarkable. Like, this is mm -hmm. a huge structure. That's insane. There's a second set of walls inside the first set of walls that follow the curves of the outside walls and end in a tower that's 10 meters tall. And this area has an unknown function to historians, but their best guess is that it was either a royal residence or a symbolic grain storage facility. I don't know what makes it symbolic as a grain storage facility, but every single source I read said that it was symbolic, so a symbolic grain storage facility. And then the third section that it's made up of is houses made mostly of mud brick, and they're found like on the outskirts of the great enclosure. Um, the number of houses showed that between 10,000 and 20,000 people lived there. So, huge city residence in 9th century Zimbabwe, which is really cool. It's just, I don't know, I never learned about it in school. No, it, like, that's a huge wall. <laughs> I'm taking a right? look at it real quick here. And it, uh, holy. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll definitely post pictures on our Instagram and Facebook pages. But it's a huge wall with no mortar, and it's, like, almost unscalable, so really yeah. remarkable architecture especially for that time frame and they were they were surrounded by gold mines like people had astounding wealth yeah astounding wealth that. and prestige Ooh, i think he's up so the, it is the largest known settlement ruins in sub-saharan africa and the second largest on the continent the largest being of course the great pyramids you can find these great ruins in the present day country of zimbabwe where else and the name great ruins comes from a shona word mad zimbabwe which means big house of stone because <laughs> once again it's a it's like a big house of stone 10 meters tall 250 meters long i wish my house was that big dang <laughs> <laughs> okay here's here's something that's really cool is arabian coins and pottery from china and persia were unearthed in the ruins making Great Zimbabwe, a part of an affluent trade network that not only was in the, not only attached to African trade networks, but also the Gradian Indi the greater Indian trade routes. So they were able to trade spices, gold, and ivory around the known world at the time. And no, I, I did I can... not know bet too like that that probably has a lot to do with like that like grain tower as well and and stuff and and like having the that centralized and then a whole bunch of outer rings you see that in a lot of like maps of how ruins uh may have looked like in the time and there's like markets on the sort of middle rings and and like houses on the outskirts and then more like royal dwellings on the inside and it's oh it's it's really cool I always build my D&D maps like that. It's got to keep the royalty safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the royal bubble.
Yep, that's important. So the only reason that the city was abandoned, and this is speculation, it's, it's likely a combination of reasons, but the surrounding soil, they depleted it of its nutrients and without modern agriculture didn't know how to restore it. So after 500 years of farming the land, they just ran mm. out of soil nutrients. And also there were probably some sanitation issues too that led them to leave and settle other surrounding areas. That would be a really cool topic to have on one of these episodes is like how modern agriculture came to be and like the history of of like farming and agriculture. If anybody knows about the history of farming and agriculture, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to learn about that. <laughs> I'd like to learn about that. I'm gonna put out feelers through the grapevine. Yes, please. Um, okay, so, like I was saying, the exact reasons that the people left the city are unknown because a lot of the information and written records have been lost due to European coloni colonists trying to cover it up, which leads me to the controversy. Mm. <laughs> Yay. Me and my controversy. Okay, so, the histories of these ruins do have a lot of controversy about who built it and why, because while we now know that it was built by the Shona people of Zimbabwe or the indigenous people who lived there, like very obviously that's who built it, that's who traded it, um, a white majority government at the time of its discovery tried to cover it up that it was built by the indigenous people of the land because it would affect their credibility as rulers. And it went so far as to pay off historians to destroy artifacts and say that they thought that it must have been built by Phoenicians or non-African people. <sighs> so, uh, so European colonists continue to be yeah. super racist. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Always ruining everything. Yep. Just running in all wild-like with their pants pulled down and just shit on every other piece of culture. <laughs> Yep, and also because the European colonists tried to cover it up and they didn't really care about these ruins, they uh, looted it and destroyed a lot of the ruins. Uh... You could say, you could say, they ruined it. Bazinga. They ruined it, Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I heard you the first time. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, a joke so nice I say it twice. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so, so yeah, the European colonists thought the city was too sophisticated to have been built by Africans. And instead, like I was saying, thought it was built by Phoenicians or other non-African people. And because they thought that, it was it was just disastrous. It was, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. But today, the Great Ruins of Zimbabwe are a UNESCO heritage site. And despite the damage done by colonial looters, Great Zimbabwe is one of the largest and most culturally important archaeological sites <laughs> of its kind in Africa. Also, soapstone birds were unearthed in the Great Ruins, and they are thought to be of religious significance, and they're used as a, uh, they're now used as a symbol on the Zimbabwe flag. So oh, I thought that was cool. That's cool. Like me, some like, good burp the... carvings. They're like, look at this cool thing I found. Let's slap that bad boy on the flag. Yeah, I like that. And so also, 
the uh, Great Zimbabwe ruins kind of unified Africa as a whole, and the soapstone bird is also used as a symbol of African unification. That's cool. Okay, so, before the break, I was telling you that soapstone birds can be found on the current Zimbabwe flag, so I thought I would uh, take some time to tell you more about these soapstone birds. Burbs. They bear huge cultural significance to the Shona people, and as I had mentioned before, the Shona people are the indigenous people of Zimbabwe or that region. And I kind of glossed over the birds, but there are eight birds carved out of soapstone or talc. And Tell me about them good burbs. <laughs> they were found in the ruins, but they topped columns that were more than a meter tall. And the birds themselves are more than 16 inches tall. And I just switched between metric and imperial systems. So that's, uh, that's the Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like the ancient days equivalent of those owls people put on their porches to keep pigeons away. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine if that's all it was? Like, it's not some portal you to the spirit just put them on top realm. of fence posts. Yeah, they're like affixed to pillars i mean there's some freaking ornate fence posts if that's mm-hmm. the case and but... i bet a whole lot more cultural and spiritual significance <laughs> but we don't really know for sure because all of that documentation and uh even like where the birds were were destroyed by european colonists so i mean they could have just been to scare the pigeons away we don't we don't know for 100 mm. percent certain Those old dead white guys. Yep. Freaking old dead white guys. Okay, so anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The birds are actually kind of scary looking. They have both human and bird elements, with some of them having, like, human arms instead of wings, and some of them having human lips instead of a beak. And I think it's kind of creepy looking, but that might just be me. It's like Ro the sun god. Is that... Was he part bird? I think he was. Egyptian. I have no idea. Oh, the only um, thing I know about Egyptian gods, uh, yeah. I learned from watching Stargate SG-1. Yeah, so... he was a... He... <laughs> I love Stargate. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, Ra was the um, Egyptian god of the sun with the bird on his head. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ra. He had the bird on his head, but I wasn't sure if he was part bird because in Stargate, you know, it's just a crown that he wears. Yeah. So he is part bird. And then all those, all those gold warriors have, like, the bird armor. Okay, I'm getting mm-hmm. way <laughs> sidetracked here. <laughs> I believe there were snakes, too. Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah. there's Snake armor and the gold. Yeah, and there's horse armor. Don't quiz me on what the gold gods were called. Um, the birds themselves fall into two stylistic groups. Three of them have their wings wrapped around a vertical body with a short fan-shaped tail. Five have their wings folded over the back of a sloping body with their legs bent and a horizontal head with the eyes on top. The five that are designed like that, they're, they're in a circle around like the religious grounds that I was telling you about earlier. Mm. And they're thought to have assisted with communication to the spirit world by scholars' best guesses of what these were used for. 
And they know this because they were digging around the Great Ruins and they found kind of like a foundation or cement. And they can see spots where these pillars may have been affixed to, but it also could have been something else. So they're, they're, they're guessing here. Hmm. I don't want to come on onto this podcast as an armchair expert and say, yes, this is what it was for. I can say this with absolute authority. I, because I can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so all eight of the soapstone birds represent birds of prey. But because the carvings incorporate human features as well, and they were kind of deteriorated, it's hard to determine these specific species that they were originally thought to represent. But it's assumed that they were eels. So what do, what do the soapstone birds mean? America. Fuck so- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think that I think that they were carved before America was founded. Yeah. So no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so first I kinda wanna talk about what role birds played in this Shona culture. Birds were seen as messengers, and eagles, as the most powerful and largest of the birds, were appropriate messengers for the most important people. Since this was like a pretty important location, that's one of the hints that they were probably eagles. Um, In one myth, a chieftain has an entitled claimant beheaded and ships his head back to his people via an eagle. So that was pretty brutal to read about. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, eagles are also seen as messengers between our realm and the spirit realm. Which is another indicator that if, with the five of them in the circle, as they're guessing they were around a religious building, that they're also guessing was a religious building. And that's, that's how they're guessing that they were eagles. Lots of, lots of guessing going on here. <laughs> it's like, what is it, a good game of Sudoku, where like you should never have to guess where a number is, but... It- Sometimes it's really hard to <laughs> yeah. suss it out. And right now they're just guessing where some numbers are and, and trying to make the full Sudoku square based on that. Yeah, and you know, once they once they have all the numbers in place, they can see that they have two nines next to each other and yeah. start over. <laughs> two threes in the same box. <laughs> yeah, game over. Game okay. over, man. Game over. So there's eight birds, and they're numbered one through eight. And that was because uh, a researcher did a publication about them. And then other researchers were like, yeah, good, good. We'll keep those numbering. So instead of giving them names, they're just numbered one through eight. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about bird one, because that is the bird that is found on the flag. Hey. I'll post a picture of it on our Instagram with the episode picture whatever uses the cover but the bird is decorated with a string of diamond patterns or chevrons it's seven centimeters wide and 23 centimeters tall there i go back to metric it's squatting with bent legs on a short span of more of this diamond pattern and each leg has three talons what i love about this bird is that there's a crocodile carved into the pillar and it's climbing up (laughs) is climbing up the chevron pattern towards the bird. 
and uh, I could not find anything about what the crocodile represents or why it's climbing up the pillar, but I think it looks really cool, so. <laughs> You're probably just like, oh, that crocodile's gonna go get that bird. Crocodile's coming to get the bird. That's a good bird maybe right they, there. May, maybe they it's just a, thought it looked cool. It's a tasty looking bird. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Ooh. Um, and bird one is really cool because it stands out from the other birds because it looks like the workmanship was more creative and refined, but I think it looks creepy. <laughs> Where are the birds now? They are the currently located. No, actually they were <laughs> in a German museum, but uh, in course. a big ceremony, they were given back to Zimbabwe and they can now be found at the museum of great Zimbabwe. Awesome. They would still be at their original location, but the major theme of this episode is that they were moved from the original location by European colonists. Stolen, taken to, I don't know, I think Germany and the UK, Britain. So it's normally the old British white guys or the old German white guys. <laughs> yep, they're just the old white, yeah, white, old white guys. Um, but yeah, and then they were moved from... Oh, the religious place I was trying to think of the name of is called the Great Hill. And they were arranged around that hill in a way that would make communicating with the spirit realm easier, according to legend and nothing else, because there is nothing else. But anyway, uh, that's me telling you about the soapstone birds. And that's another one for the archives. Thank you for listening to the Arcana Archives, an exploration into nerddom. If you have any questions or suggestions for future topics or guests, please reach out to us at arcanacollective.archives at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram with the username at arcanaarchives. Hope to see you again!